You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Benigo's Positive Choice, and this is the ARC Hour, isn't it? It is indeed. <laughs> so welcome Samuel Chisichetti, and uh, I'm Alita Robinson, and this is A Reasonable Christianity's um, Hour of Power. <laughs> hour we... of Power, I like that one. <laughs> yeah, where, do. We, where we talk about all things God, and we answer the questions of our listeners and, uh, and those in the community that have... Um, bailed Samuel up and asked him all those curly questions, so we're, we're able to uh, to make sure that um, those questions have answered. And uh, we've been answering the God question for quite a while. We have indeed. Uh, we've we've gone through a whole lot of um, intricate understanding of um, people's under people's thoughts around God, other religions, um, and how they uh, put forward the idea of God. Yes, and we've come back last week to talk about. Christianity and Jesus and his claim to be God. Yes. And so aside from all the other religions that we looked at, most of those, uh, well, all of those religions have sort of a prophet or a guru or someone that has been enlightened and has passed on uh, a message of uh, so-called hope to people for uh, what might be happening after they die or in the world they're in. Yes. we as Christians believe that uh, Jesus, um, who came, is the Messiah that was promised in the Bible and that he um, claimed to be God. Um, as you said last week, he was crucified because the Jews uh, accused him of being a blasphemer. Yes. That was something you weren't yes. allowed to do, to yes. claim to be God when when they thought you weren't God. Um, so we're going to tackle the question of was Jesus who he claimed he was. Yes. And we're going to talk about Jesus's death and resurrection. Yes. Yes. So it's I think the um as, as you've you've read it very well, uh the death and the resurrection of Jesus is the showpiece, is the central piece for the claim of the Christian religion, right? Yeah. So um when when you look at it, uh the only way to demonstrate or to show that Jesus is who he said he was, there ought to be some some evidence. There, you know, it's you know what I was saying. You remember when we started the uh, the, the program last time, uh, at least last Sunday, I made some comments that people had basically uh, separated the idea of religious claims from being rationally and realistically assessed. Yeah. And this, this is actually something that is risen from our, I think, 18th, 19th, and 20th century. It's irrational itself. The idea that you can just believe in a whole bunch of untruths, just as long as it's a religion. You know, it's my religion, you know. Even if I believe that, you know, trees are upside down and, you know, the leaves are roots. As long as it's my religion, nobody should question it. That's rubbish. The Christian religion started in a place where its claims could be verified. Yes. So any religion that makes an unverifiable claim or makes a claim that when verified is found to be false, that religion shouldn't be taken seriously. Mm. And and it's it's interesting because I'm saying that, you know, even even the believers themselves that done a huge disservice to themselves because they started to just simply go, well, it starts about my relationship with Jesus. And so when somebody said, hang on a minute, you're saying things that don't make sense, not a scientific sense, not historical sense. It doesn't make sense even with common sense. And people say, no, don't think it too much. Just, just have a relationship with Jesus. 
Well, then we have put the Christian message and the Christian faith in a more precarious position because people can just dismiss it. Like, you know, I was say, talking about Richard Dawkins, for example, who said that, you know, faith is the ability to believe in things that you know to not be true. Mm. Well, if that's what faith is, then I don't want to have that kind of faith. That's no, rubbish. No, that's right. Why would I be believing stuff that I know to be false? Yeah. And so, in that sense, the claim of the Christian message had a central piece, and that's the resurrection. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then he isn't God. Because Jesus himself pegged his claim to be God on the fact that he said, "If I, when I die, I will come back to life. So the resurrection of Jesus is, uh, you know, a philosopher and theologian, William Lane Craig, would say, if Christ rose from the dead, then we have a miracle on our hands uh, that shows that God had vindic- vindicated Jesus of Nazareth in his claim to be God. Yes. So this is why for all the talks about does God exist and we've looked at you know a set of you know philosophical and scientific philosophical argument backed by scientific evidence and then we've gone to go okay a lot of religions they've got all sorts of claims about God which one is true and we established that the animistic religions of Africa were not of course it's you know not true we established that Hinduism and Buddhism were out of the equation because of the concept of God is not the you know um, uncreated necessary you know greatest conceivable being. Mm. Okay, so we had the three monotheistic religions. We've assessed Judaism and and Islam, and and the, the difference between those three monotheistic religion is the person of Jesus. Yes. And so we assess that when Jesus claimed to be God, of course he was crucified by the Jews for it. Yes. Because they didn't believe him. They said he was blaspheming. Mm. And and uh, Islam uh, reckons exactly the same thing. Uh, to say that Jesus is God is to commit the sin of shirk, which is exactly the sin of blasphemy. Mm. And so last time we did uh, assess that. And I was talking about actually some of the... Uh, I had promised our listeners that I'll look at one particular text in a Quranic text, which seemed to confuse the idea of the Trinity, you know, Christian belief in the Trinity to be, you know, God, the Father, Mary, and Jesus. Yes, that's right. Yeah, because I, I, I always make sure, I promise that we'll look at yep. that text before yep. I move forward. So as we were assessing these three Abrahamic religions, we say, okay, well, Judaism doesn't believe Jesus is God, so does Islam. And here's a text uh, if you want to know, it's in Surah chapter 5, verse 16. Now, like last time when we were reading, uh, you know, I read the uh, verse beneath it. And I think, no, 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 no. I read uh, Surah chapter 4, verse 171. And today, uh, it's Surah chapter 5, verse 116. Uh, okay. Surah chapter 5, verse 116. Mm-hmm. And here is how it goes. And when Allah saith, just reading a bit from 16th century, yeah. O Jesus, son of Mary, didst thou say unto mankind, take me and my mother for two gods beside Allah? He saith, be glorified. It was not me to utter that to which I had no right. If I used to say it, then thou knewest it. Thou knowest what is in my mind, and I know not what is in thy mind. Lo, thou, only thou art the knower of things hidden. Mm. So the Quranic text, he says, 
that Allah will ask Jesus, did you teach that you and your mom, Mary, were gods beside me? In other words, when they say three, you know, Jesus, Mary, and God the Father. And so that, that text there uh, is, is a centerpiece that is presented among, uh, you know, Islamic scholars uh, when talking about the fact that the, the Christians believe that God is, is, is a triune God. And so when you, when you read, uh, let me go and read, you know, uh, the, another text, uh, Quranic text, quickly, the one we read last time, uh, Surah chapter 4, verse 70, 171, which says, O people of the book, which means the people of the Bible, yeah. commit no excesses in your religion, nor say God ought to... Uh, uh, say of God uh, ought but the truth. Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, was no more than an apostle of God or a servant or a prophet uh, and his word, which he bestowed on Mary and the spirit proceeding from him. So believe in God and his apostles. Say not Trinity. Desist. It will be better for you. Um, it will be better for you. For God is one. Glory to, to him, far exalted is he, above having a son. To him belong all things in the heavens and on earth. And enough is God as a disposer of affairs. Last, last text, uh, chapter 4, Surah 5, verse 73. They do blaspheme who say God is one of three in a trinity. For there is no God except one God, and desist not from the word of blasphemy, verily a grievous penalty will befall the blasphemers among them. So you can see that, as I was assessing last time, no Christian theologian worthy of his salt has ever taught that the Trinity was Jesus, Mary, and God. That's right. And not, not even part of the early church, not part of Christian, maybe the writer of the Quran had mistaken the fact that, you know, certain people do give veneration to Mary, you know, and, and that veneration doesn't mean that they actually say Mary is God and part of the Trinity. So that proceeds from there to say, of course, the writer of the Quranic text was mistaken, mm -hmm. did not know. Christian theology or Christian doctrines, and if it was inspired by God, then the God who inspired it did not know. <laughs> if he's the knower of all things, yeah, okay, mm -hmm. and that, that's I to, know where you're going there. To me, it's yeah. just a rational process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I can read to you the the, the tafsir of this particular text by Muslim scholars. That's exactly what the, the text say. Yeah. So there's no escaping from it. So we have therefore said, uh, so the Jewish didn't believe Jesus. The Muslims don't believe the Jesus that Christians believe. Yeah. The, the Jesus that actually claimed to be divine, mm. claimed to be God. So they don't believe in that particular one, Jesus, and have a wrong concept within the Quranic text about it. So then it comes to just, let's say you're a historian, you're a, you know, a just rational person, uh, and, and you, you are assessing these claims. Then you have the question, well, how, why should I believe Jesus is God? And that is what we have to, to go to next. All right. So we're going to unpack that um, after we've listened to uh, Jaden Lavick with 
one of your favourites, Samuel, I Surrender All. Right.
Well, I hope you were singing along to that. I surrender all. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And if anybody actually wants to see Samuel in action, you can go to the Facebook, Samuel's Facebook page because he's live at the moment. And yes. he does have a good chat to uh, those that are watching live um, in between, which is always uh, you know, a little bit of a bonus. So that's sort of bonus yeah. um, content that yeah. you can grab if you want to go on the Facebook page. But anyway, Samuel, for those of us that are still listening on the radio, you're, um, we were just about to talk about um, Jesus claiming to yes. be God and yeah. uh, you'd, you'd gone through the um, – how the Quranic text for uh, for for Islam sort of uh, had a sort of a misreputation of what the Trinity looked like. They said yeah. it was Mary yeah, and yeah, yeah. Jesus and uh, and God Himself, and yeah. uh, and and so they they didn't really fully understand what Christians believe about yeah. God. Yeah. So you're going to unravel some of that stuff for us. And so what we therefore need to do is to look at what would vindicate Jesus of Nazareth to be who we said he was. If a, Look, I heard one of my mentors say, you know, anyone can pike up and say, I'm God. Well, if you hear somebody say that, you're more likely to consider them to be a lunatic or somebody, you know, that they've lost their marble. Yeah, like, was well, something wrong in your head. Yep. But you couldn't take that kind of claim from Jesus and ignore him. Mm. Because Jesus doesn't just make these claims. He heals the sick and he raised somebody who's dead four days in the tomb, gets him up, and the guy is, it stays alive. And, you know, and then he end up going all the way to Turkey and becomes St. Lazarus, right? Yeah. And, and so Jesus is not ordinary person. Mm. Like, all of, I've, I've never come to meet anyone uh, who's willing to go and say Jesus was a lunatic. People are, are willing to go and say, well, he was a good teacher. You know, he was a good moralist. You know, he, they, they, they've got all this. But, uh, That's how do you, fun, though, isn't it? Because he, he's good and all those things. But hang on, he's a liar. How yeah, does that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. You've gotten, it just doesn't work. You've gotten the point right there. Yeah. How would a good teacher make a claim that he was God that he was not? Yes. What kind of good teacher is that? Mm. So you have this category, other C.S. Lewis would say, Adi was a demon from hell <laughs> who's lying. Oh, he was the God who made the universe. Yep. Those are your two options. Yeah. All right? People might a, 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 make it a trilemma to say, well, maybe it was just simply Jesus, you know, became mythologized by the people who, who followed him. He, he, he never said those things. And, and so, uh, okay. So, well, let, let's look at whether I'm actually going to look at uh, how can we know that Jesus rose from the dead as a piece of evidence mm. for him being who he, who he said he was? Remember I said last time that even the Quranic uh, text doesn't believe that Jesus died on the cross. So, you know, we, 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 we're up to a bad start. You know, you can't talk about the resurrection in the Quran because Jesus didn't even die. Yeah. But the, the Judaism recognized Jesus died, right? So let's let's look at um, uh, the what can we how can we make a case that Jesus rose from the dead? Because you might say, hey, well, "Look, I wasn't there. Okay, I wasn't there." Well, that kind of thinking is problematic. Because look, Jesus rose from the dead. Hang on a minute, that's two thousand years ago. I wasn't there. Mm. Well, if you believe the only things that happened when you were there. I'm sure you will come to believe in very, very, very small, little, tiny 
amount of things in the world because most things that happened even when you <laughs> Why for you your kids went to school or your wife went to to the supermarket you went there so you can basically b- deny everything mm. so it's somebody says i wasn't there it's like well yeah well <laughs> you were not there when you you know when when you were conceived <laughs> let's start there you were not consciously there um, and so you could basically do away with a lot of things if you said i wasn't there you use the historian's approach I wasn't there when, you know, Alexander the Great conquered the Middle East. I wasn't there when the Roman Empire went all the way to Britain mm. and, and you know, have Roman baths and stuff. I, I, I went to, uh, to, when I was in the, in the UK, living there, went to see the Roman baths. Uh, you know, I could have said, well, I, what's evidence is there that the Romans did this? I wasn't there. Well, no, you take the historian's approach because you can get some cold, hard facts that are affirmed by all historians and then you can use abductive reasoning to find out what is the best explanation. Remember I said there were three ways of coming to a conclusion? Yes. Deductive, inductive, and abductive. Mm. You can use your abductive reasoning to come to the reasonable conclusion that a reasonable person can come down to. So let me give you just few hard Called factors that the um, you know most historians agree on right now. Okay. Yeah. So uh, let's see if I can uh, pull them out. Uh, the first called hard fact is that Jesus of Nazareth was crucified by the Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities. So Jesus died by crucifixion, Roman crucifix. And the second called hard data is that uh, after being dead, Jesus was buried mm-hmm. in a tomb yep. that was known by everybody, uh, at least because the person who buried him was Joseph of Arimathea, and he was part of the Jewish Sanhedrin. Mm. Very high-profile public figure. is the person who asked Pontius Pilate to get the body down uh, to, so, so that Jesus be buried before the Sabbath. Mm. Okay. And so if he had access all the way to the governor, he was a high-profile person. Yes. And his tomb was a non-tomb. And so the cold hard fact, too, is the tomb of Jesus that he was laid in was found empty on the Sunday morning mm. by his women followers that got there to go and embalm him properly because it was done in a hurry on the night where he was buried. So that's called fact. So Jesus died, he was buried, and the tomb was found empty. Called hard fact number three. His disciples sincerely came to believe that they had seen him after that incident of the tomb being empty. Yes. They sincerely come to believe that they'd seen him alive, literally, physically alive. Mm. Mm. And so, these three, um, those three are enough. I'll just give you those three. Those three are enough. And so, this begs for an explanation. Jesus died on a cross, he was buried in a tomb, and the tomb was found empty, and his disciples claimed to have believed, to have seen him, and they died 
for that belief. Yes, exactly. Now, these facts are accepted by all historians. Mm. I mean, this is a majority of historians. A, a huge majority of historians basically agree with these facts. So the question is, therefore, what is the best explanation for these facts? Like, what explanation is there for the fact that Jesus was dead and the tomb was found empty and his disciples claimed to sincere, believed sincerely to have seen him and they went on proclaiming that he was alive and they died for that, that belief. Yes, that's right. And so, when you're canvassing explanations, there are at least a number of explanations that could be given. The first one is that the disciples gave a simple explanation that he was dead and he rose from the dead. Flat out, simple, there it was, which is what the Christian message has been. It's been that Jesus rose from the dead. Yes. That's one explanation. The second explanation is what the Jewish authorities gave. The Jewish authorities said that his disciples must have stolen his body. In other words, they were liars. Mm. They were conspirators. They lied and then took his body. The second, uh, the, the third explanation, possible explanation, is that, well, look, they uh, didn't lie as per se, but they were lied to. They didn't really see him raise, risen physically from the dead. They just had hallucinations. All right, yep. Right? Mm -hmm. They hallucinated. So yep. they were lied to. Uh, so it was not as though they were deliberately liars. They were lied to, and so they had hallucinations. And so the, they, they lied or were lied to are sort of, you know, the, the two that are, are, you know, go hand in hand. We, we're going to look, look at that. And then there was a third one, which, uh, the fourth one, sorry, which is like, well, look, it didn't rise from the dead, but the disciples were myth makers. Yeah, they just made up a myth, mm. you know. Over time, you know, they just simply were taken by this charismatic guy, and then they just started to proclaim that he he had risen from the dead, even if he didn't. You know the way they lied. Yeah, right. made up a story. Yeah, it, yeah. it becomes all, all, all the more the same. Mm. And the final one is well, he didn't die even. So it's called the soon theory. Mm. Oh, he didn't die. You know, they thought he was dead, but then he, you know, he got out. He, he was resuscitated. There were actually people who used the term instead of resurrection, they used the word resuscitate. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. mm. I came across a Jewish rabbi um, who had great, all the great materials that he was teaching, but when he came to the resurrection of Jesus, he used the word resuscitate mm. all the time. Yeah. And at first it bothered me. I didn't know why is he saying resuscitate in the resurrection? And I found out later on that it's because. He didn't believe that Christ actually raised from the dead. Mm. So hold those five explanations, and we are going to take our time to assess one at a time. Okay. All right, so before then, we're going to listen to the Oak Ridge Boys with this little light of mine. This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine 
This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine Let it shine Let it shine Oh yeah This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, oh yeah Jesus came in the light I'm gonna let it shine Jesus came in the light I'm gonna let it shine Jesus came in the light I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, oh yeah I won't let Satan blow it out, I'm gonna let it shine I won't let Satan blow it out, I'm gonna let it shine I won't let Satan blow it out, I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine I don't think I've ever heard anybody sing that low before in my life. That was yeah. just amazing. It, it's a beautiful song. I love it. Just oh, yeah. No, we've got, some, uh, we've got some of the classics <laughs> on today anyway. All right, Samuel, we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. We talked about the, uh, the various explanations. Yes. There were four of them. You're going to go through them one at a time. So off you go. <laughs> well, so let's start. Uh, let's start by, uh, given the time we have, I want to start by the fact that the explanation the apostle gave is part of what I explained earlier on to say explanations must have what is called explanatory power. 
an explanatory scope. In other words, it must account for more rather than less. Mm. Okay, It must account for all the data we have. So the disciples' experience was very simple. He was here. We saw him died. We came to the tomb. Uh, he wasn't there. Then we met him out there physically. He proved to us that it was him. He asked Thomas, one of our friends, to stick his finger in the in the hands and the finger in the side. It was literally him. We saw him. He showed up for 40 days in and out in so many other circumstances. Yeah, he cooked fish. He, he ate fish. He ate food. Yeah. We, 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 he was there with, with us. So we saw him. At first, we thought it was a ghost. Mm. It thought we thought at first we thought it was a figment of our imagination, but after presenting many many proofs that he was there and it was him, we had no other option but to believe that which was staring us in the eyes mm. that he had risen from the dead. Yeah, right. And so, simple explanation accounts for the data. The tomb is empty. Yeah, because he's he's out of it. Yeah. All right. Oh, uh, yeah, he was dead. We saw him dead. Yes, he died. And we, we can see the marks. He's got all the wounds. And, and so we know that he actually, literally, uh, you know, had come uh, back from the dead. So uh, in, in, um, um, in that sense, you can see that the explanation the disciple gave account for more, all the data there. Okay. Now. And they, and they passionately believed it. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they, yeah, they had absolutely no doubt yeah, they that, that, that Jesus had physically risen from the dead and he was physically present with them at that time. That's exactly right. And, and when you read um, uh, Luke, Luke in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, Luke was a companion of Paul, hmm. and Luke had written the Gospel of Luke, uh, and he is this you know, medical doctor or physician who had done all the research says, after having done research, I've compiled an orderly account. And so here's what Luke uh, writes. If we read from verse um, um, 1, 2, 3, uh, even verse 4. Let's say, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Verse 3, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave them many convincing proof that he was alive. Mm. Yeah, Many convincing proofs that he was alive. And so... Um, <clears throat> Uh, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Then on this one occasion, while he was eating with them, figment mm-hmm. of your imagination don't just simply come and sit down and have a meal with you or we meal with a lot of people all at once. I'll get to that in a moment. So we have here a situation where the disciples didn't concoct this. The truth, what is interesting, truth is always mind independent. It stared them in the face. Mm. He was dead. We saw him put in a tomb. We were discouraged. We saw him alive. We thought he was a ghost. Then he came. He ate with us. He showed up so many times. He let us touch his wounds. Well, we had no other choice but to believe the truth that he has come back from the dead. So that's explanation number one. Yeah. Which should be the simplest and the most straightforward. But some don't believe in that explanation. So maybe other explanations might be better. How about we look at, I'm going to take the, the one I think is the weakest. Mm-hmm. 
it is experience number five. So I'm going to do, uh, I'll do were they deceived or deceivers, because that's a dilemma, um, or were they myth makers when we, we get the next chance, because just given the time we have. But I'm going to look at maybe he didn't die. Mm-hmm. When I was an atheist, this was my favorite. Uh, every time I clubbered a, a Christian on the head uh, with my atheism, trying to get them to be, you know, this was my favorite one. Yeah, I said, look, it was it's part of the Essenes. It was quite a a sect of Judaism. They had all these methods of how to keep people alive. You know, lower the heart rates to the point where they could appear like they're dead and then and then uh, and then they just kept putting you know that's that, then when he got given you know when 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 he woke up and then he came out of the tomb so that was this was one of my favorite so um and and most people go oh well uh, yeah did not know how to defend this one mm-hmm. so let's start with did jesus not die nine pieces of evidence this is actually a piece of work that was presented by Peter Kraft. Peter Kraft, very, very brilliant mind. And I'm just, because I've defended the resurrection in so many ways, in so many places. But I find the way Peter Kraft put it very, very good. You can go to his website, you know, if you, if you, you can Google that, Peter Kraft defending the resurrection. You'll, you'll find it there. So at least you've got some resources to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, nine pieces of evidence, that at least piece of th- uh, line of thinking to show that this is, the soon theory counts then. Number one, Jesus could not have survived the crucifixion. Romans procedures were very, very careful. Uh, they had done it so carefully to eliminate a possibility of somebody escaping. Mm-hmm. For example, Roman laws laid a death penalty for any soldier who let the, the, the capital prisoner escape. So the centurion who was standing there when Jesus was crucified, knew that his life, his very life was at stake. Yeah. The fact that him, number two, which follows from there, uh, reasoning number two, the fact that when Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate, and Pilate said, okay, we'll get that guys from the cross, and then they went to go and check. They wanted to make sure that the prisoners are dead. Mm -hmm. The two thieves side by side with Jesus were still alive. Guess what Romans would do? Because the death on the cross was death by asphyxiation. Okay? So they break the legs so that the thief, thief would have not have a, a support to push to in order to breathe. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And so by breaking the legs, they precipitated the death. Mm. Upon going to try to break Jesus' legs, they found that he was already dead. The centurion wasn't that convinced. So he's like, oh, hang on a minute. He picks up a his spear mm. and goes into the side because he wanted to see whether the pericardial effect, you know, the fact that the lungs had collapsed, filled with also a fluid, wood and blood. Uh, he wanted to check and see whether that was the case and whereas he did. And it's interesting that the gospel writers just tells us this water and blood mix that comes out. Mm. And, and our medical science has actually now demonstrated that that was exactly what had happened, he just simply had a, a pericardial or plural fusion. So in that sense, um, so the Roman soldiers were careful to make sure that he was dead. Yeah. Otherwise, the centurion would be dead himself. And so that's num- number, number two. Number three, John was a night witness day, certified that he saw blood and water. I've just said that. 
uh, when Jesus side was pierced, which means Jesus died by asphyxiation. Number four, the body of Jesus was totally encased in winding sheet and entombed. Mm. You see, we don't see dead bodies these days because the embers come and take them. And, but if you go ask medical people, when somebody dies, they know the person's dead. Because yeah. they interact with death all the time. Mm. So in that, 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 the Jewish uh, society, they would put spices on the body because they didn't have tombs the way we have them today. You know, put the person in the, in, in, in the ground until, you know, they rot away. And, and then, no, that, that's how it was done. They put spices of all sorts to try to contain the odor and the decaying process mm. so that after that, they will come and they will pull all that. The, the flesh is decayed and it's gone. They'll pick up the, boss, the, 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 the bones. They'll put them in boxes that are called ossuaries. And then they will go and keep those boxes in their homes. Mm. See? And so this is why one family could have one tomb. And that's the tomb that everybody's being... It's, it was used for the sake of keeping them in there until the process is complete, put the, the, bo the uh, bones in, in the box, and then keep it. That's how they did it. So, in that sense, the you know, entombment of Jesus was carefully done by people who were there, like they were wrapping him up, you know, turning him over. They were interacting with literally a dead body there. Yeah. So it would be funny that it was, if his heart was still beating, you know, that he was capable of any respiration because otherwise he still needed oxygen to breathe, mm. to stay alive, otherwise yeah. the brain would fry. Well, the people who were, who were encasing him and entombing him, of course, would have known that he wasn't dead. Yes. Right? Yes. So I'm giving you four lines of thinking so far. Mm. And so... Let's see whether you know I can finish this uh, after a quick quick break. <laughs> well, we're going to listen to Elvis Presley singing another one of your favourite Samuel, Amazing Grace. Oh yes, Amazing Grace. Oh how sweet the sound that saved a like me.
It's a universal favourite, isn't it? Beautiful. Yeah, you can't get past Beautiful. that one. All right, Samuel, mm. we're on the run to the finish. Yes, so here we are. I've given you already for line of thinking that to show that the soon theory, the fact that Jesus didn't die from the dead, mm. is not a good explanation. Number four line of thinking, the post-resurrection appearance. When he appears to his disciples, you know, even the doubting Thomas knew now that Jesus was gloriously alive. The question would be, how would, do you think a physiologically, you know, a, a, a physiologically sooned person, somebody who had been beaten up, arrested on Thursday night, and beaten up throughout the entire day Saturday, yep. last Friday, Friday, yes, Friday, and put on the cross around 3 p.m., badly in need of medical attention, because if you are, you've watched the... Uh, there's that, that the passion. movie. Yeah. Passion. Yeah. With the body basically lacerated. Mm. If it didn't rise from the dead miraculously, and it was only soon, he would have gotten out, you know, be like badly in need of medical attention. How could he possibly have convinced doubting Thomas for Thomas to go on his knees and say, oh, my Lord and my God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thomas would have said, look, mate, you're damaged and you need medical attention. <laughs> you need a doctor. All right. Stop yeah. this. This Because most people think that just the disciples of Jesus were gullible people who just swallowed anything. Mm. Well, no. If you read, it's what I like about these, these texts, I read them from a point of view being historical document, is that these texts tell you stuff as openly as it will. Not everybody, even those who had seen Jesus alive, had just taken the idea and accepted it. Some still doubted, mm. even when he was seeing them for the last time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Here is Matthew chapter 28 mm. that I wanted to sort of pay attention to. We read the Great Commission all the time, and yep. we, we miss something interesting in that piece. Mm. Verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You know, therefore you go. When he's giving him the, 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 the commission, there were still people they who doubted. Mm. These people were not just gullible, ready to believe, whatever. Forty days later, forty days, there were still some who were like, oh, I'm not sure. Like People like Thomas, uh, uh, do, you, do you think if you went to bury your relative yesterday and, and today you saw them coming to shake your hand that you just go, oh, wow, how amazingly you risen from the dead? No. <laughs> They're human beings like you and me. You'd be freaking out. Their doubt was justified until yeah. Jesus gave them enough convincing proofs. Then they went, oh, of course it's him. Yeah. Number six, how were the Roman guards at the tomb overpowered by a swooning corpse? Well, well he, how would he? And he was inside the tomb. Hello. Exactly. He had to roll the how stone away he, first. That's the point. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that, that's that's the, the point yeah. seven. I mean, how's he going to do that? So, how would a swooning man, you know, a swooning corpse, or even unarmed, unharmed, un, unarmed disciples, uh, how could they have overpowered the powerful Roman soldiers? Mm. 
Like, what are you talking about? And even if they were asleep, the noise they would have made would have woken them up. So there's, exactly. it's absolutely ridiculous. Number seven. How could a swooning man, half dead, on top of that, mm-hmm. have moved such great stone that was put in the tomb? Mm. If it was not the angel that moved it, then he did move it, right? Mm. Yeah. No one has ever answered that question. Neither the Jews nor the Roman would move it. Or it was in both their interest to keep the tomb sealed. The Jews had the stone put there in the first place. And the Roman guards would be killed if they let the body escape. Yes, exactly. Can you see that a reasonable person is going to go, look, this is starting to get ridiculous, right? If you continue to believe that Jesus was soon and didn't rise from the dead, well, you know, even the Jewish authority themselves didn't believe in the soon theory. Mm. They believed he was dead. They simply said that the disciples told the body. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right? Yes. So the soon theory is just ridiculous, right? Um, Number eight. If Jesus awoke from a soon, where did he go? Well, think, think, think through this. We have, we have no living bodies to deal with now, not a dead one. <laughs> no. well, why did he disappear? There's absolutely no data, not even any false or f- f- you know fantastic imagined data about Jesus' life after his crucifixion. You know, when he said goodbye to the disciples, did he just simply just die somewhere? Was it, did he go to Egypt? Did he go to Ethiopia? Did he go where? Turkey? Well, even in between for the 40 days, where did he stay? What, at his mother's house and he hid in a cupboard or something? He, <laughs> well, where did he go? Yeah. A man like that, you know, with a past like the one Jesus had, mm. wouldn't just simply disappear without trace. That's true. No. So, you know, the soon theory is just, just really, number nine, is to finish, to put the nail in the coffin of the soon theory. Literally. Most simply, the Sun theory necessarily turns into a conspiracy, mm. right? Yeah. Conspiracy theory or the hallucination theory for the disciples testify that Jesus did not soon but really died and rose from the dead. So mm. it may therefore seem, Peter, Peter Kraft uh, concludes, that these nine arguments have violated our initial principle about the, uh, you know, uh, presupposing the truth of the gospel. You might say, well, you know, but, you know why are you using the, the gospel? That's what Peter is saying. Well, I'm using these as historical documents. Mm. And by the way, the person who, who put the Sun theory up is using the same data, but giving a different explanation. Yes. They recognize this. Jesus was arrested by the Romans. He was put on the cross. He was beaten up, but he wasn't dead. He was put in the tomb, and then he came out of the tomb, but he was soon. Yeah. So if you're going to use the same data, we use the same data to show that your explanation of this data is inaccurate. Mm. It's actually way off. So in a way, as I've, I've assessed two experiences today. The one that the disciple gave, he was dead. We put him in a tomb. We saw him alive. We all were doubtful and basically terrified and scared. He gave us many convincing proofs, and we have come to believe for sure that this is true that he rose from the dead. Yep. And then the other one is, oh, no, he didn't die. He, he was swooned. Yes, yeah. exactly. And yeah. we've just quickly, using just common sense and clear thinking, shown that the swoon theory is ridiculous. Yes. And so uh, until then, we are holding to that until there's an explanation that defeats that one of the apostles, the Christian is rational to hold that Jesus rose from the dead. And if he rose from the dead, 
then God has vindicated Jesus of Nazareth, as William Lane Craig would say, we have a miracle on our hands that Jesus was who he said he was. So the next few Sundays, we will look at the remaining three explanations. All right. So you're going to, you're going to go back to those two as yeah, well. Yeah, we, we haven't we haven't finished them. No, no, we have to finish <laughs> these. No, but I mean the thing the thing uh, that you always think about is that all the disciples, um, and, and even not just the twelve, but uh, others obviously who were thrown in a, a variety of um, terrible situations to uh, face death. Yeah, um, they did it willingly. Because they they believed in what uh, they had seen with their own eyes and yeah. they had experienced themselves. Yeah. Because I mean, he he appeared to five hundred. Yes. At once. Yeah, yeah. Um. So it wasn't just the twelve disciples. There yeah, were yeah. A, a whole lot of other people that saw yeah. uh, with their own eyes and were able to probably jostle and 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 be around him. Yep. And understand that he was definitely there in the flesh. That's physical. exactly right. When yeah. we assess the hallucination theory, mm. we will look at all that data and you see how it basically knocks off the hallucination theory very quickly. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, again, thank you, Samuel, for uh, for what you bring each week to this program and uh, and the the knowledge that uh, that you have and the research that you do and and those sorts of things that um, help all of us to be able to explain better uh, what we believe I think you're right in saying that um, I mean and I've been in church all my life um, you know that the church has not really equipped necessarily people enough to speak about their faith faith outside the building mm. you know in the context of being inside church and being mm, in the building mm, mm. we um, we all believe the same thing but it's when you go out into your workplace and you go out into the mm. world and even with your family um, that you come ag- against arguments that you have no answer for so this hopefully is equipping people um, to be able to do that moving moving forward and to be very, really confident in the fact that they are f- believing in something that is absolutely true amen Amen. Which is which is fantastic. All right, so uh, we will be here again next week um, with uh, Ark Alive, <laughs> <laughs> the Hour of Power, power. Uh, and uh, but 